set our souls afire. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 uh, this evening. As you know, there's some chapters that when you hear the number, the address of the scripture, the chapter, you, you have a good idea of what might be the subject. And 1 Corinthians 11 is one of those because it's the most extensive teaching about the Lord's Supper in the Bible. And so I would recommend in these verses, these chapters like this, that we be very familiar with them. Uh, the Lord's Supper is one of the two ordinances given to the Lord's churches. One of them is baptism. The other, of course, is we're mentioning the Lord's Supper. And there's nothing in the baptism or the Lord's Supper that has anything to do with our salvation. But there are ordinances given to the churches. And that the churches would recognize them, the churches would practice them, and perpetuate them. And so we don't take the Lord's Supper real often like some places do, but uh, it's a very, very serious thing, and we're going to look at that tonight in the scriptures. And I'm going to read this entire context, and then we're going to just highlight some things in it. But I would invite you, as is our custom, to stand if you would, if you can. If you, if you can't, we certainly understand that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's all look together in verse 17, and we'll begin reading there. Paul writing says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. So he, immediately as he begins this teaching, he lets them know that his purpose in writing about this is not to commend them. I praise you not. So in other words, he's going to have, he'll have some words of instruction for them. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies or schisms or divisions among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest unto you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, 
shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. So that wasn't all he had to say, but he said, I'll tell you the rest of it when I get there. You may be seated. I want to just talk tonight and look, first of all, about what it is to observe the Lord's Supper. And as we know, and as we have seen in many sermons and many times reading the Bible, the Corinthian church had more than its share of troubles. Um, you know, I, I personally believe 1 Corinthians is one of the most helpful, most informative books of the Bible. And the reason I believe that is because Paul dealt with so many different issues in the church that were wrong and how they needed to make them right. You know, we have two chapters devoted to spiritual gifts because of the abuse in the church in spiritual gifts. We have a part, big part of a chapter uh, telling them why they should not take one another as Christians, as church members really, to court. We ought to be able to work those things out among ourselves. We have uh, a significant part of, the, of chapter 5 deals with the fact that there was immorality in the church and it wasn't being dealt with. There were those who questioned the resurrection. So the entire 15th chapter deals with the importance of the resurrection. So I'm just saying there were issues in that church. It was still a sound church. It was still a New Testament church, but it had its issues. And so Paul writes a letter to correct all these issues and we benefit from that so we can see what they were doing and how we should do it better. And that's why we have the Bible to guide us and teach us and instruct us. So we're helped by their mistakes. We're helped by their flaws. And one of those mistakes they had was in practicing the Lord's Supper. As I emphasized in beginning, verse 17, he said, I praise you not. He's instructing them, he's correcting them, but he's certainly not commending them. And look what he said in verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. They were assembling, but he says, your assembling is not for the better, but it's for the worse because of what you're doing is particularly related to the Lord's Supper. It was a problem. Paul wrote in verse 18 that he had heard, and these, you know, Paul didn't live in Corinth, but he visited there, but they would send messengers back and forth from the churches to the apostle, and he had heard that there was division in the church, and he, he said something about that, and he you know, and, and really, the, if there's anything a church does 
that ought to have a unifying effect, it ought to be the Lord's Supper. Because it ought to be a place and a time where we come together to make everything in our hearts right with God and right with one another and put our focus on the Lord and not on ourselves. Put our focus on our sin, not on the sins of others. And it ought to be a very powerful, unifying thing. And he says, you're, you're assembling, but you've got all these divisions. It's just, and so he's pointing these things out to them, and we're just learning again from them. You know, one thing he said about heresies in verse 19 that I just want to mention sort of in passing, he said there must be heresies, which is another word for a schism or a division. There, must, there will be things among you where that are different, but he says... Here's the, here's the benefit of it, verse 19, that they which are approved may be made manifest unto, among you. When you have a problem and a clash or whatever, it ought to be that the, worst, the person who is, is really approved, the person who's really trying to do right will be made manifest. So some good can come out of that. Now look with me, if you would, in verse 20, where he says, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. They were assembling. They were coming together just like we are tonight. But the focus was not the Lord's Supper. That's what's meant by that verse. This is not, they, were, they had other things in mind. They were, they were fellowshipping together. They were eating separately, not with one another. And, and their, their focus was not the Lord's Supper. One of the things I think... Uh, comes through this passage as we read a little further is the Bible, I believe, presents the Lord's Supper as being a serious time, a time of seriously examining ourselves, seriously examining the cross. And so he's kind of saying to them, you're, you're missing the purpose of this observance of the Lord's Supper. That's not really your focus. And they were, verse 21, they're bringing food for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. One is hungry, others, another is drunken. What it clearly says to me is they were like having a potluck dinner, but they weren't sharing it with one another. People would, one person's hungry and everybody else over here is pigging out or eating to excess. They're not really considerate of one another. And their whole spirit about it obviously left something to be desired. And so verse 22, he says, What, have you not houses to, uh, to eat and to drink in? In other words, you ought to take care. There's, there's nothing wrong with having a fellowship meal for a church. But what was not right, as I understand the scriptures, is they were coming together and they were just eating and they were leaving one another out and not caring of each other, pointing, you know, helping each other, not, not observing the needs among themselves. And they're really, they're more interested in just filling their belly than they are focusing on the Lord's Supper. And so he's trying to correct that. He's trying to point that out. So he says in verse 22 again, have you not houses to eat and to drink in? And then he says another statement here. It's really a question, but it's, it's, it's pretty emphatic. Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not. He's saying you're, you're despising the church, you know, you're, 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 you're making, you're taking something that should be a serious act of worship and you're, you're belittling it. The word despise means to disesteem or not to esteem. You're not putting the priority on the 
focus on the Lord's Supper and the assembly of the church that you ought to. And so he says there in verse 22, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He said, I can't applaud you for this. This, this is a pretty serious rebuke, really, for this church. And so when I come to the Lord's Supper, I keep these things in mind, that what our focus ought to be, what our priority ought to be. And nothing wrong with us enjoying each other and laughing together, but when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we ought to be focused on the purpose of the Lord's Supper. And that's where we get this. We get this right out of this text. And so he said, further on in the, in the chapter, let's go to the end because we won't mention this as we wrap this up. Look in verse 33. Notice what he says. Because he said earlier, you sit down and eat one another. You leave somebody hungry. You, you don't seem to really care. Verse 33 says, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Don't be in there just seeing who can be the first in line and see who can get, eat the most. We ought to be in this together. It's a fellowship meal. It's not... You know, it's not a time just to fill your, your belly. It's a time to fellowship together. And then he says in verse 34, If any man hunger, eat at home, that, when you, that you come not together unto condemnation or judgment. And so he says, he says there's some things you're doing wrong. I would like to think, I'm assuming this, that when the Corinthian church read this letter, they did it with a note of seriousness and said, You know, we can do better than this. You know, we need... You know, people could read this and say, well, you know, you're just being a Debbie Downer. You're just really, you know, you don't, we're, not, we're supposed to have fun. Don't rain on our parade, that sort of stuff. But I'd rather take God's opinion than our opinion, right? And God's opinion is it's a very serious time, and we ought to look at it in a serious manner. So those were the problems in the Corinthian church. Now, with that being said, I want to just look at a few insights or guidelines for observing the Lord's Supper. The first one is that the Lord's Supper is clearly, to me, a church ordinance. Now just look at this passage, and I want to just point out some things as we glance at some verses. The last part of verse 16 uh, of chapter 11, Paul says, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So he's clearly talking about the churches. In verse 17, he doesn't use the word church, but he says that you come together. He's talking about the church assembling. Verse 18, he says, when you come together in the church. And in verse 20, he says, when you come together, therefore, into one place. That's where the church was assembling. In verse 22, he says, despise ye the church of God. In verse 33, near the end of the chapter, he says, when you come together. And in verse 34, he says that you come not together. Now, all you have to do is look at those references. And I believe it just speaks loudly that all of this is speaking clearly to the church at Corinth about the way they should conduct the Lord's Supper in their church. It's to be observed in the assembly by the members of the assembly. Now, a lot of different denominations and groups have different views about that, but based on the Bible, that's the position that we take. This has been the position of our church for many years, uh, that the Lord's Supper is a church ordinance and it's to be observed by members of the church. 
And I was thinking about this today. Of course, I've looked at this and studied it and always enjoy just studying this passage. But I've never seen anywhere, I'm just kind of reminiscing in my mind, I've never seen anywhere in the scripture where the Lord, where the Bible would ever support the position of what is called today open communion. Open communion being that anybody could walk in who's not a member of the church, if the church is having the Lord's Supper, that they should be able to participate. There, you don't find any Bible at all to support that position. The, the Bible overwhelmingly supports the position that ought to be done in the church for the members of that church. Matter of fact, I have a number of churches that I preach at regularly uh, that don't even have the Lord's Supper on a regular church night because they do it for that very, they do it on an alternate night for that reason. But I, I always like doing it on a, a church a church night, and I, I like doing it particularly on this night. It's, a, it's an ordinance that provides accountability to the church body and the membership of the church body. Uh, by the way, I know other people in our church have experienced this because they've told me about it, and, and I've done this. I'll be in another church, and they're observing the Lord's Supper, and my wife or my, myself or my wife and I, we were actually experienced this in a foreign country one, one time many years ago. They observe the Lord's Supper. Well, I don't partake with them. And I don't, feel, I don't feel offended that I don't partake for them. I know biblically it's their ordinance for their church, and I observe it in my church. So we always have guests present when we have the Lord's Supper, and I'm always thankful for that. And I always try to explain why we do what we do from the Scripture. Because even if a person was here tonight, and I don't, this, don't know if this fits anybody tonight, but if anybody was here tonight and they're not a member of the church... Um, you still benefit from the teaching and the preaching and the understanding and, and just reminiscing about what Christ has done for us as only the members then partake of the Lord's Supper. And by the way, having said that, I always mention that parents should monitor uh, their children, especially their younger children, and only allow those who are saved and baptized to participate in the Lord's Supper. So first of all, it's a church ordinance. Second of all, and I've already mentioned this, so I'll just kind of touch it lightly. The Lord's Supper, I believe, is a serious time. Not sad time, just a serious time. Um, they were coming together, but they were more interested in their meal than they were the ordinance. And it was, it was not esteeming. It was just, they were doing despite to the church because of that. Look in verse 25, if you would, please, there in 1 Corinthians 11. And this is really one of the major reasons for the Lord's Supper. It's to be observed as a remembrance. Look in verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup, Jesus did, when he had supped, saying, this was in the upper room before he went to Gethsemane, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. So that is a a key reason for the Lord's Supper. It ought to be a remembrance. We do it in remembrance of Him. Now we ought to think about Him every day, right? But this is a special time of remembering. You know, we, we all would agree, I think, that we have a tendency sometimes to forget things that we ought to hold dear, take things for granted. So this is like a built-in time to remember. Uh, you know, in the Passover... When it was instituted in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel were leading, leaving Egypt in their bondage, 
Um, all the different plagues had been put upon Pharaoh and the Egyptian people. And he kept hardening his heart and stiffening his neck. And uh, finally, the last plague was the, the plague of the death angel going through the country and taking the firstborn of every family. And um, it, was a, it was a terrible day in the land of Egypt. But through that, God delivered his people out of 400 years of bondage. God delivered them from Egypt and uh, on their way to the promised land. And that was because of the death of the Passover lamb. They killed this lamb. Put that blood from that lamb over the door of their house. And God said, when the death angel passes through, when I come through there, wherever I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And, and that's exactly what happened that night. And God spared the firstborn of all the Egyptians or the Israelites who did that. But every year after that, every year after that, they observed the Passover. For what? To remember. To remember God's deliverance. Not to forget what God did for them. And the Lord's Supper is a great time of remembrance of what Christ has done for us. I, I mentioned this the other day going through the Gospel of Mark. I'm just really thankful that our journey through the Gospel of Mark has brought us to the time of the crucifixion just at the time that we're celebrating Passover and the resurrection because it's so fresh on my mind and, I, and I'm just thankful for it and I know it is with many of you. So it's a time to remember, to remember his sinless life, to remember his sacrifice, his vicarious death. Verse 24 says that uh, um, when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. That The bread represents the tortured body that was broken for us. That bread does not become the body of Christ. The bread is symbolic of the body of Christ. You're not eating his flesh when you eat the bread, but that bread is symbolic, represents the body and the sacrificial death of Christ for us. And in verse 25, it says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. We think about the blood that was shed for us. This, this juice does not become the blood. It's symbolic of the blood that Jesus shed for us. And we, we rejoice, really, in what Christ has done for us. Verse 26 says, As oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew or show the Lord's death till He comes. It's a, when we observe the Lord's Supper, it's like a testimony of the sacrifice of Christ. You know, I've, I've shared this more than once before, but I'll never forget being in someone's room once uh, visiting in a hospital room. Someone in our church was sick or I'd gone to visit somebody. I don't remember who it was. So I was, I was visiting them and having prayer with them. And while I was in there, um, um, a priest came in and gave communion to the other person in the other bed. And I mean, didn't even, wasn't in there. Doesn't seem like he's in there a minute. I think he may even offered us if we'd like to take it or not, but whatever, it, it, 
it was such a quick, hurried, rushed thing. And I'm thinking, that's not even what the Lord's Supper is about. Of course, they believe that the ordinance itself is a part of their salvation. It's a sacrament. The ordinance is not a sacrament. It's a remembrance. The thing that saves us is not a sacrament. What saves us is the Savior. And the Lord's Supper is a picture of that. And we, we rejoice in God's great sacrifice, complete sacrifice. It is finished, he said on the cross. Not it's almost finished, not if you'll do good, it'll work out. Not if you take this in baptism, no, he said it's done, it's finished. And we, we praise him for that tonight. So it's a, a time of remembering. And then finally, it's a time for self-examination. Look in verse 28, if you would. It says, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat and drink of that bread and drink of that cup. So it's built into the fabric of the ordinance that we remember him, that we do it in the assembly of the churches, and that we take a moment for self-examination. An examination is a test. We're putting ourselves to the test. It's not saying are we in ourselves worthy we just want to make sure, number one, that we're saved and, the, and that, we have our, that we have taken our own personal sins seriously, that we've, that we've examined ourselves. And it's to be done in the church, when the church comes together. You know, I think we ought to examine ourselves every time we assemble, don't you? But this is a special time. By that, I mean we shouldn't come to church with unconfessed sin in our life or come to church and leave the same way we came in or come to church, you know, not taking our sins seriously. It's a mockery if we do that. It's just, it's just ritual. So we ought to always be examining ourselves, but especially when we observe the Lord's Supper. It's a, it's a meaningful time of searching our own hearts. I think it's a great time just to be still before the Lord and say, search me, O God, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. I want you to show me, help me, make sure everything's right. I want to, I want to just be cleansed by the blood of your son. I want to be washed. I want to be clean. I don't want anything to stand between me and you. If there's something not right with you, I want to make it right. If there's something not right with others. I want to make it right with them. It ought to be a self-examination. Look at the language of verse 31. It says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You know, there, there are those who act like any form of judgment is wrong. They use that Matthew 7 passage, judge not, lest you be judged. Like, but that's, that's, that's misusing that text. We are to judge sin, especially in our own life. We are to judge. He says, if you... Look at that together, verse 31. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. As Christians, if we have sin, we ought to judge that sin in our life. If we don't, we're going to be judged you know who's going to judge us? God is going to judge us. And I'm not talking about judge us and condemn us to hell. That's not what he's talking about. He's going to deal with that sin. Look at the next verse. But when we are judged, verse 32, we are chastened of the Lord. 
He, if, we don't de- if I don't deal with my sin, God's going to deal with my sin. And if you're sitting here tonight and you say, that's not true because I sin all the time and I don't judge it and God doesn't judge me, then what you're saying is you're not saved. Because Hebrews says that if you're without chastisement, you don't belong to him. So I, you say, well, I just don't really want to judge my sin. Well, it's not a matter of whether you want to or not. If you don't, God will. It's going to happen. He, he loves us. You, all these parents here, you, don't, you wouldn't allow your child to disobey and do wrong things and not correct them. You know why? Because you love them. That God's the same way. So the Lord's Supper is a time to judge ourselves. Now let me say this before I wrap this up. I know people who sometimes take what I'm saying so seriously that they say, well, I'm not going to take the Lord's Supper then because I've got some things in my life shouldn't be there. The purpose of saying this is not so that we'll skip the Lord's Supper and keep sin in our life. The purpose is it's an incentive to deal with the sin and observe the Lord's Supper. It'd be a, hey, it'd be a bad thing to say, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer and I'd like to observe the Lord's Supper, but I've got sin in my life, so I'm going to keep the sin in my life and not observe the Lord's Supper. I don't think that's the way God had it set up. Would you agree with that? No, he wants us to examine ourselves and claim his forgiveness and be cleansed of our sin Confess, aren't you glad for 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So the Lord's Supper should be a time for all of us to appreciate what Christ has done for us. In a few moments after we have prayer and a time to think about this, reflect on it, a couple of our men are gonna pass the bread we're just going to, they're just going to take it down through the aisles and offer it to you. If you're observing, just take it. If for some reason you're not, or if maybe your children are there and they're not ready, they've been not saved or whatever, we'll all receive, we'll all take the bread and then we'll all have a word of prayer and we'll take together. We'll do the same thing with the juice. And it's just a meaningful time of thanking God for his love for us, for Christ and his death for us. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve salvation. Well, none of us do. There's nothing in me that would make God care enough for me to do what He's done for me. He's not done it because I deserve it. He's done it because it's His nature. He loves us. He loves us. If you're not saved tonight, first and foremost, if you're not saved, don't take the Lord's Supper. But if you're not saved, this would be a great time to put your faith in Christ. This is what it's all about, folks, about knowing Him, about being saved, about being forgiven, about being converted, about having a relationship with God, about going to heaven one day, about serving God with our lives. And if you don't know Him, you ought to come to Him tonight, and I'll give you an opportunity to do that. And for all of us, let's use this as a time of self-examination. Just look at it. Just think about this. Lord, I just want to worship you. I want to I honor you. I want to thank you for what you've done for me. And I want to make sure if there's anything in my life that's not as it should be, I want, 
I want to bring it before you and ask you to forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. And that's what God wants to do. Listen, God didn't pay this great price so we could walk around with sin in our life. He paid this great price that we could be forgiven and stay right with Him. And when we fall, we can confess it and get it right. It's like Jesus washing Peter's feet in chapter 13 of John. And Peter said, oh no, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And then Peter said, well then wash me all, head to toe, give me the works. And Jesus said, no, you're only, if you've been washed... You don't need to be washed again. You just need to have your feet washed every once in a while. And basically he said, you don't need to be saved again. You just need to keep your sins confessed. Let's bow our heads together tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening. Let's just take these moments and focus on what we've talked about. Acknowledge our appreciation for what Christ has done for us. I want every head to be bowed and every eye closed. And I want to ask a very simple question. If you're here tonight and you're not saved or you don't know that you're saved and it's in your heart to say, I I want to be saved. I want to know more about this. With no one looking around. If you'd say, preacher, I'm just really not sure I'm saved, but I want to be saved. Would you just slip your hand up right now that I could see it? If that's you, if you're not saved, not sure you're saved, and you'd like for someone to talk to you about that, then what I'm going to ask you to do is, in just a few moments when we wrap this up, to come talk to me. And let's get that matter settled.